I always wonder what it would have been like to have been the first person to discover some natural wonder like Niagara Falls. I'm imagining a few Native Americans following the Niagara River, maybe fishing or, you know, just exploring. They can hear a noise ahead in the distance, but they can't really place it at first. The noise gets louder and louder. They keep going. They start running out of anticipation. They finally get to the edge and you know, they see this most amazing thing. They see this incredible, massive waterfall, like nothing they'd ever seen before. And they had to be absolutely blown away. How long did they just sit there and stare at it, completely lost in awe? Maybe they cried. Maybe they danced. Maybe they sang some kind of get hype song, like a Macarena party anthem to celebrate. Or maybe they were just speechless for a day or two. They probably wanted to experience it. Maybe they tried to get down in the water and maybe they recognized the power and the danger as well as the beauty. They had to recognize how small they were, how vulnerable and human they were. You know, and I wonder now, are we like someone who scurries around right next to Niagara Falls, but we're too busy and distracted and too easily pleased to stop and gaze at the wonder? It feels like sometimes we just need a reminder to stop to lift up our head and simply to gaze on the wonder and the glory of God. My name is Stephen. My name is Ernie. This is Devout, an invitation to pause and set our minds on things above. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Psalm 27, verse 4. Man, it's a great little verse that we could spend a lot more time on than we have spent. But it's this declaration where David, King David, he says, One thing I've asked for, and this one thing I'm going to seek after. And he goes on, he says, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. And I want to spend our time, we want to spend our time focusing on that phrase, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. So similar to what you talked about, Stephen, with this picture of the Niagara Falls, to lift our eyes up. And that's what David's encouraging us to do, to, to gaze, to lift our eyes up. But I think that it can become abstract for us. And so let me give an example that might be helpful. In 1999, Bruce Willis started in a movie called The Sixth Sense. And in the movie, there is this boy who can see dead people. Now, with his five senses, he has this abnormal gift that allows him to see people that other people can't see. And as interesting as that movie is, the takeaway that I find from this is that faith is like a sixth sense that our gazing is by faith. And so when David says to gaze, he's referring to by faith, engaging our faith to gaze on the beauty or the splendor or the pleasantness or the delightfulness of the Lord. So whether you have 2010 vision, whether you're legally blind or you're fully blind, we are all invited to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. So let's keep rolling with this for a second because this phrase, the Lord, is the object by which we're gazing on. So who is he referring to? You know, we could spend a substantial amount of time on this subject, but I want to just summarize as Christians what the call is for us to gaze on. In 2 Corinthians 4, 6, Paul writes and he says, For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Saying the glory of God is seen in the face of Jesus. In John 17, Jesus says he prays that we would see him in his glory. And so the encouragement to us 
is that we would gaze upon the beauty of Jesus. So Ernie, what does that look like? You know, we could go many different ways, but I would encourage us to consider Colossians 1, one of the most profound sections of Scripture. This picture of this wealth of declaration about who Jesus is, that he's created all things, that he's sustained all things, and that he will have preeminence in everything. And allowing the person of Jesus to shape how we see the world, how we see ourselves, and ultimately how we see the glory of God. So that Colossians 1 passage encourages us to focus on Jesus when we gaze on the beauty of God. And I like that. I want to get real practical for a minute. This idea of gazing on God's beauty can be a bit challenging sometimes because, well, partially because it's abstract. Sometimes we struggle with, well, what does that really mean? But sometimes also because the language is a little maybe strange or even awkward for us. We might just think, when I think about beauty, uh, let's be honest, I don't think about a, you know, a 30-something a Middle Eastern bearded fisherman. And so it's a little awkward at times. So here's a few ways I think we can get real practical and gaze on the beauty of God. And the first is to consider his attributes and think about the range of attributes of God. You know, let's study the Gospels to understand how did Jesus live? Let's think about his compassion that he showed to the little children, as well as the strength and perseverance that he showed in his final week on earth, just to name a couple. So we think about his attributes. You know, second is, I think we should ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see his work, to see where he's moving, to be alert. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to help us recognize and appreciate the beauty of God, and see his movement all around us. Third, you know, maybe we should just put down the phone for a minute and get outside and go on a walk to just admire the wonder of creation. You know, that's where we use the word gaze the most anyway, right? It's just talking about gazing at the stars and the heavens declare the glory of God. So sometimes as simple as it sounds, we just need to go outside for a minute. And all these things we should... I think, engage our mind as well as our heart to gaze upon the beauty of God. So in this verse of Psalm 27:4, over the past couple of weeks, we've talked about how David pursued one thing, to dwell with God, to know God, to gaze on the beauty of God. C.S. Lewis captured it so well. He says, We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And that's our application today, to refuse to settle for earthly pleasures, but instead to gaze on the glory of God and dwell with him. We'll see you next time. Hey guys, one quick thing to add. If you've listened to these podcasts, if they've been helpful for you, if you've enjoyed them, we would really appreciate it if you would consider leaving a rating or a review on iTunes or your podcast app of choice or, or sharing it on social media, just helping other people to find Devout. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it.